Amen. I don't know if any of you have been, ever been in a position like this, got 20 minutes to bring together a word. But God, with God, all things are possible. Amen. What I want you to know is that my word will be based coming off of every year I seek God for, for a word, for a direction that, not for the church, but for me, a word that I can follow, a word that I can chew on throughout the whole year, a word that he would basically base my walk upon or that I would base my walk upon all year through. And that word was simply prepare to produce in every area of my life. And as I sought God in that, I couldn't help but know that this morning I need to follow up on the word that pastor brought last week concerning prayer because it's what we've all been called to do this past week is prayer. But the number one way for us to produce anything in our lives, church, is through the power of prayer. The only way you will ever accomplish God's will in your life, the only way you'll ever overcome the enemy, the only way you'll ever have a strong marriage, the only way you'll ever succeed in ministry, succeed in business, be the father you want to be or the the mother you want to be, the husband or the wife that you want to be, is through exercising this powerful spiritual discipline called prayer. I'm not about to repeat the word pastor brought last week, but it's a word God put on my heart, and it's the word that I want to bring you this morning, just entitled The Power of Prayer. We don't have any PowerPoint for you to be able to follow this morning, so you just take notes as the Holy Spirit lead you. But I want to, uh, as you know, at least most of you should, this week we've been called to a time of prayer and fasting. The weather got in the way of us gathering together in God's house. But I pray that it didn't get in the way of you finding that place of prayer at home. I pray that the weather had nothing to do with you connecting with God and calling on Him in your time of need, not just for you, but for the church and for the direction and everything that God would bring upon ourselves. But that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, church, because any time we put ourselves into a position of prayer... We put ourselves into a position of power. Anytime you come to the altar and you come before the Lord, I want you to know you put it, you're putting yourself into a position of power. Anytime you, you, you find that, that little space that you call your prayer closet and you get alone with God and you get on your knees or you get on your face or you lie prostrate or you just stand in the presence of the Lord. Anytime you put yourself in that position physically, you put yourself in a supernatural position of power for the kingdom of God to move on your behalf. And I pray that that's what you've been doing this week. And not only this week, I pray you do it all year through. Because I want you to understand, we don't know what 2012 is going to hold, but I promise you one thing, it's going to be filled with trials, it's going to be filled with tribulations, because Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I've overcome this world. And one of the ways we overcome is through this powerful thing called prayer. So if you want to make it through 2012, I encourage you to pray. If you want to be an overcomer, I encourage you to pray. If you want to be seated in heavenly places, I encourage you to pray. If you want to be the above and not the beneath, you want to be the head and not the tail. You want to be a success and you want to aspire to do great things. I encourage you and challenge you to begin exercising on a regular basis this powerful principle called prayer. You see, when we pray, church, we gain power over the enemy. 
We gain power over all the forces of darkness, over all the forces of hell. When we put ourselves in this place of prayer, we gain sick, we gain power over this thing called sickness, which has tried to attack our pastor, which is attacking a lot of our church members, which might even be attacking some of your, your family members as well. But I want you to know that when you come to this place of prayer, you gain power over that thing called sickness, over that thing called illness, over the devil, church himself who the Bible says comes for one reason, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. If you don't have a prayer life, I want you to understand that the devil has will gain access to your life. If you don't have a prayer life, he will steal from you. If you don't have a prayer life, he will try all that he can to destroy you. He'll destroy your joy. He'll destroy your peace. He can destroy your marriage or your relationship or your business or even your finances. It's why we must exercise this powerful thing called prayer. The Bible tells us that when we put ourselves into this place of prayer, we're able to demolish strongholds. We can demolish strongholds through this thing called prayer. We're able to bring into obedience every thought that would try to raise itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know as well as I do that one of the areas the devil tries to play games in your life is in your mind. And if you don't have prayer, the devil will control your mind. If you don't have prayer in your life, fear will control your mind. Or depression will control your mind. Or doubt or anxiety or worry or all these other things will control your mind. But when you put yourself into that place of prayer and you begin to connect with God Almighty, something begins to happen in your life and the power of God is loosed and you are set free. It's how you become a victor. It's through this powerful thing called prayer. Amen. The Bible tells us that the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous man availeth much. In other words, it accomplishes much. When you when you begin to pray and you put yourself into that that position of prayer with a pure heart and a clean heart, listen, that's the first thing you got to do. You got to have a pure heart and a clean heart before you come to God. But when you do, something begins to happen, church. You might not see it right away. When you put yourself into that position of prayer and you begin to connect with God and you begin to communicate with God, something in this spiritual realm begins to happen. You You might not see it right at that moment, but things are maneuvering. Angels are moving and God is moving and heaven is moving and God's army begins to position itself to bring victory into your life. You may not see it. You may not sense it. You may not feel it. You may be, you may even feel like you're not connecting at all and like your prayers aren't going anywhere. But I want to promise you, the Bible says that the fervent prayer of the righteous man accomplishes much. So throughout this year, no matter what you feel like, you gotta pray. No matter what you sense going on around you, you gotta pray. No matter what your situation looks like, no matter how dark it might be, or how bright it might be, or how desperate your situation might be, you gotta pray, church. You see, I believe that this is one spiritual discipline that the church as a whole has abandoned. It's one discipline as a whole that the church has put on, that the church has put that responsibility on the pastor or the spiritual leaders of the church or, or on a husband or on a father or on a mother or someone else. But the reality is God has called each and every one of us individually to pray, to seek His face, church. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. 
Without prayer, spiritually, we'll go nowhere. Without prayer, we cannot advance the kingdom of God. Without prayer, we'll be working in our own strength and in our own wisdom and in our own might. But how many of you know, just like I pray, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by my skills. It's not by my wisdom and by my knowledge or by my abilities. It's not based on how much money I got in the bank or how much political influence I may be able to yield. It has nothing to do with me. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. And the only way you get that spirit moving in your life is through this thing called prayer. And if you need some victory in your life, it's time to pray. If you need to overcome something in your life, it's time to pray. And this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. The reality is, church, heaven is waiting on our prayers. Heaven is waiting to move on our behalf, church. I want you to stand that our prayers call heaven to attention. I want you to understand that there is a host of heaven the Bible talks about that is waiting for commands from the king. And what I want you to understand is that when you put yourself in that position of prayer, heaven stands at attention waiting to be commanded as what to do to bring victory in your life. The reason we lose so often is because we don't pray. The reason we're overcome so often is because we don't pray. It's because we have not called heaven to attention. And that's what heaven wants to do this morning. God wants to bring victory into your life. God wants to bring healing into your life. God wants to bring power into your life and provisions and healing and all of His promises. And those things are loosed, church. Through this spiritual exercise called prayer. Now listen, when God talks about the fervent prayer, He's not talking about, now I lay me down to sleep. When God talks about a fervent prayer, He's not saying, God is good, God, God is great, let us thank Him for this food. That one, doesn't, that one doesn't even rhyme. I don't know how they came up with that one, but uh, that's, that's not what God's looking for. What God is looking for is a heart that understands my situation and my circumstance is not going to change until I touch the hem of King of God's kingdom. My situation, my circumstance, my healing isn't going to come until I reach out and touch God myself. Amen. Through prayer, church, we have the power, understand this, to touch God. We have the power to touch God. Jehovah God. Through prayer, we have the power to touch God Himself. We may not have the ability. Look, our arms aren't long enough to reach up into heaven. Our arms aren't long enough to reach into God's throne room of grace. And you may not be able to reach up into heaven with your physical hands, but I want you to understand through prayer, you can touch God's hem. Through this this spiritual discipline called prayer, we can reach spiritually into God's throne room of grace and find help in our time of need. I don't know about you, but I want to touch God. I don't know about you, but I want to reach some power. I don't know about you, but I want some power flowing into my life. And the Word of God tells me the only way that's going to happen is through this spiritual discipline called prayer. You see, sometimes, church, the fervent prayer, sometimes we give up before we've reached heaven. Sometimes we give up before we've entered into that throne room of grace. Sometimes we got to tarry a little bit. Sometimes we got to wait a little bit. Sometimes we got to cry out a little bit longer, climb a little bit higher in order to get into the throne room of grace. 
Sometimes we quit when our prayers reach uh, the, the, the ceiling in church. But God wants us to pray until we actually touch heaven, church, just like the woman with the issue of blood who had to press on and press through through the ridicule and through through the, the law that said she wasn't even allowed outside. And she pressed on and she pressed on and she pushed through until she touched something, church, until she touched the power of God. You see, there's some of you in this house this morning that need to press through a crowd until you touch something. Until you touch the hem of His garment and have the power of His kingdom released into your life. Some of you have been listening to the accusers. Some of you have been listening to the one that says you can't do it and you shouldn't go there. And you don't, have, you don't deserve to go into His presence. But she pressed on anyway. Until she touched something, church. And she touched the power of God. And it's what God wants us to do this morning, to press on and press through with fervency until we touch something and feel something. You see, I don't want to get on Really, I've got some notes, but I'm just letting the Holy Spirit lead me. You see, I want you to understand when that woman pressed, there were thousands of people around Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus isn't looking for a casual touch. He's not looking for the touch of a stranger. He's not looking for the touch that has as, as improper motives. There were a lot of people brushing into Jesus and bumping into Jesus and reaching out for Jesus. And it wasn't until this woman who was willing to press through in faith that he said, Who touched me? Who reached that place of power in their life? And it's what we've got to do. There is a place of power that God wants us to reach out to and stay there until God says, Who touched me? Who touched me? And it was because she touched him that she was made well, church. That's the kind of prayer God's looking for. And that's the kind of prayer we need this morning. It's what I need, church. Above everyone else, I need to find that place of prayer on a regular basis. I promise you, in the 20 minutes that I had afforded to me, when pastor asked me to come preach, I grabbed as many people as I could and said, pray for me, because i got to touch somebody. i got to touch something. And I thank God that He has enough mercy and grace that He touched me in return. Amen? That He touched me in return. Hallelujah. Because that's how great and how good our God is. We need to be able to touch God. Prayer is what connects us to our Creator. And without it, we remain detached from God. Without prayer, we remain separated from God. It is the very thing that knits our hearts together. It's the very thing that knits us and makes us one church. Is this thing called prayer. It's what attaches us to the Father. This thing called prayer. So many of us feel like strangers and so many of us feel lost and so many of us feel like adopted children. That, 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 that red-headed adopted stepchild. Because we don't have the practice of prayer in our life. And we've not been knit together with Abba Father. It's what we must have in our lives in order to feel part of what He's doing. Listen. James 5.13. Read James sometimes if you want to find out about prayer. This man knew all about prayer. But in James 5. James says, are any among you suffering? 
then let them pray. And the word suffering here, it means this, if I can expand on it and and say it in these terms, James is saying to these people, are any among you suffering hardship and heartache? Are any among you here having to endure trials and tribulations and circumstances and situations and storms that seem to be beyond your control? What James is saying, are any among you troubled in heart? Are any among you pressed in on every side and don't know where to turn? Are any among you uh, bearing a weight that you can no longer bear on your own? Then let them pray, he said. Then let them pray, he said. Are any among you suffering? Then let them pray. And here's what I want you to understand what James is saying. He was saying, are any among you suffering? Are any among you hurting, having heartache? He didn't say, call on the pastor to have him pray. He didn't say, call on your neighbor to have him pray. He didn't say, get your best friend and have him pray. He said, any are among you suffering? Then let that person pray. Let that person press through and press on. Let that person pray. You see, it's what he's saying this morning. Are any among God's people, are any of you in this house suffering? Then find a place and pray. Are any among you going through hell and high water? Then find a place and pray. Are any of you sick in body and suffering? Then then pray. Are any of you troubled in mind and troubled in your spirit? And you don't know how you're going to pay your bill. Or you don't know where you're going to get a, you get a paycheck this week or not. You don't know if your marriage is going to stay together. You don't know when your son or daughter is going to come home. Are any among you suffering? Then pray, James said. Because when you pray, something about that situation will change, God said. Because the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. If you want to see God accomplish great things in your life, pray. If you want that situation turned around, pray. It's what God said. Listen, I'm not saying you can't call on pastor and you can't call on your best friend or you can't call on the elders. I'm not saying that, but I'm telling you sometimes you've got to pray all by yourself. All by yourself. Listen, when Jesus himself went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he felt the weight of the world. He felt the weight of sin upon him. And listen, he was suffering in the garden. And if you don't think he was, you don't know what it meant to go to that garden. If you don't think Jesus was suffering when he found a place of prayer in the garden of Gethsemane, you don't know Jesus. The Bible said he was suffering so severely. He was suffering so intently. His heart was broken so intensely that he, that he sweat great drops of blood, the Bible said. His heart was so overwhelmed that it actually began to bleed and drops of blood dropped from, I'm not talking about a little tiny piece of sweat running on his brow. It said drops of great blood falling to the ground, drip, drip, drip. That's how heavy his burden was. It's how heavy the weight of the world was weighing upon him. And what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. And when you read it, you find out he had to pray all by himself. He asked his best friends to go and pray with him. And they didn't. They fell asleep. He asked his best friend, best buds, the ones that he came to die for, can you tarry with me just for an hour? 
And they fell asleep. You see, your neighbor will be sleeping sometimes when you need prayer. They won't answer the phone sometimes when you need to touch God so desperately. The pastor won't be available. Your best friend won't be available. Maybe your spouse walked out on you or your kids can't hear you. But God always hears the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous individual. Whether you got someone else praying with you or not, God can hear you. Whether there's another individual crying out your name, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is, is kneeled at the right side of the Father interceding for you. And when you exercise this spiritual discipline called prayer, you have the ability to connect to God. And you have the ability to have His power released into your lives, church, because sometimes you've got to pray alone. He prayed, and so must we. Are any among you suffering? Then let them pray, church. Listen to what it says again. Not only did He say, let them pray, are any among you suffering? He, gave, he gives us instructions of what to do. When we're going through difficulties, he gives us instruction as what to do when hard times are pressed in and seem to be surrounding us. He said, let them pray. First, he was specific in who he wanted to, to do something, and then he was specific with what he wanted us to do. He said, let them pray. James didn't say, are any among you suffering? Let them fret. He didn't say, are any among you suffering? Then let them worry. He didn't say, are any among you suffering? Then let them doubt and let them grumble and complain against God. He didn't say any of those things. He said, if any of you are going through a hard time, here's the answer to your problem. Pray. Amen. And sometimes, for whatever reason, it's the hardest thing for us to do. All hell is breaking loose. And the, the number one tool that we could use is just to find a place and pray. Like David did when Absalom was pressed in around him, coming to overtake his kingdom. David's life was at stake. And what did he do? He took the time, the Bible says, to find that place of prayer. Because he knew no matter, that was the most important thing. This is how my situation will turn around. This is how things will change. This is how I can regain my throne if God wants me on that throne. He went to this place of prayer, and when he got there, read it all yourself. When he got there, the answers to his prayers began to unfold. And the plans of his own son were foiled. And, and the long, make a long story short, David regained his kingdom because he found that place of prayer. We've got to do the same church, each of us individually. Each of us individually have to begin to exercise and practice that thing called prayer. On past Sunday, pastor preached from 2 Chronicles 7:14. If we all know certain verses and have them memorized, that's probably one of the ones that we all have memorized. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I shall hear from heaven and you know the rest, and then I will hear their land. But listen, he said if my people who are called by my name I want you to understand that God is very specific with who he expects to pray in this passage of Scripture. He said, if my people who are called by my name, he said, if my people who call themselves Christians, he said, if my people who call themselves sons and daughters of the Most High God, he said, if my people who try to wear this, this name of, of 
washed in the blood. He, he, he is saying, if my people who are called by my name and, and confess themselves as believers, if my people who are called by my name would pray, something begins to happen. Realize, listen, listen to what God is saying here. He has an expectation of his people, and that's to pray. He doesn't expect diddly squat of the world, but he expects something of you and me. He doesn't expect the heathen to pray. He doesn't expect the sinner to pray. He doesn't expect the one lost out in darkness to pray. He expects you to pray, and he expects me to pray. If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal your land. Listen, we'd like to blame the homosexuals for what's going on in society. We'd like to blame the drunks, and we'd like to blame the alcoholics, and we'd like to blame the politicians, and we'd like to blame... The, the transvestites and we like to blame the abusers and we like to blame the addicts for what's going on in our society. But God said, I don't care what's going on in this world. If my people who are called by my name would pray, if they would pray, then all these other things would be taken care of. Listen to me, church. Unless we pray... Unless I pray, I'm more guilty than the homosexual. Unless I pray, I'm guiltier than the addict. Unless I pray, I'm guiltier than the sinner out there that's lost in darkness. Because God didn't call them to pray. called us to pray. He called them to repent. But we're the ones who have the power to have our land healed. And in order to do that, we've got to pray. So forget about those that are out there and start looking at yourself and saying, God, am I changing anything? If our, if we would pray, our schools would be healed. If we would pray, our government would be healed. If we would pray, our nation would be healed. If we would pray, we would see a revival church in this land. It's what God has called us to. He's called us to pray. I pray that I save a little bit for the second service. <laughs> I forgot I got to preach again. <laughs> Unless we have a miracle and pastor shows up. And I believe that too. Amen. Amen. You see, God doesn't expect anything of the lost, but he expects everything of us. If we dare to wear that name badge that says child of God saved washed in the blood bought by Christ if I dare to wear that label I better be a prayer I better be willing to connect to my father which is in heaven through this spiritual discipline called prayer otherwise I better take this label off because I'll be a hypocrite and I pray in 2012 for me that I pray like I've never prayed before, church. I pray like I connect to my Father like I've never connected before. I don't know about you, but 2012, I could feel the weight of the devil coming against me just to keep me from being where God wants me to be in 2012. And the only way that I can get past that is through this thing called prayer. And you can too, church. Listen, we have to understand that prayer must be done in humility, according to the word of God that I've just read. If my people who are called by my name, there's something that you have to do first. Humble yourself. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. 
That's the first prerequisite of being able to connect with God and having our prayers answered in our life is to have a spirit of humility, humility. And what God was saying then, if my people would put aside their pride, if my people would lower themselves just a little bit, if my people would get up off of their high horse, if my people would have that same attitude, which was in my son, Jesus Christ, who even though he came in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He humbled himself and he made himself nothing, the Bible says, so that the power of God could work through him. And it's the only way the power of God will work in our lives is through this thing called humility. You see, without humility, listen, church, when when we humble ourselves, we admit that we need God's help. When we humble ourselves, we are admitting, God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot make it on my own. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough power. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough influence. God, I need you. Amen. That's what prayer does. It is admitting to God. When we humble ourselves in prayer, it's admitting to God, God, without you, I am nothing. But with you, I am everything. With you, I am more than a conqueror. With you, I can do all things. With you, all things are possible. That's why we must pray with humility, church. Your prideful prayers will go nowhere. And the reality is the the proud don't pray anyway. They try to talk to God maybe. They they might communicate, but they don't pray. The proud can't pray because the proud are unwilling to admit, I need you, God. And see, if you don't have a prayer life, you're proud. If you don't have a prayer life, listen to me, you can make every excuse you want. I don't have time, I don't this, I don't that, or I don't know how to pray. If you don't pray, you got pride. Because you honestly believe that you can make it through life and make it through hell and high water all on your own. You think your marriage will survive prayer. You think your family will stay together without prayer. You think you'll overcome sickness without prayer. You think that all of these things, you got money in your bank without prayer. You are proud if you don't pray. I'm proud if I don't pray. Well, God, I, I think everything seems to be okay in my life. I don't need to pray. I prayed yesterday. Well, I got all shouted up on Sunday. I don't, I don't need to pray tomorrow. I'm feeling pretty good. Listen, that's pride. That's nothing but pride. You and I need God every moment of every day. Amen. Why do you think the Bible says that we are to pray continually? Because there must be a continual process of humility taking place in our lives. I must decrease so He can increase. Amen. And it's what we have to do. It's what we do through this thing called prayer. Because, listen to me, God is opposed to who? The proud. But He gives grace. He gives unmerited favor. He gives what is not deserved 
to those who will humble themselves in prayer. I hope you're getting this, church. I hope you're realizing that when you find this place of prayer and you come before God with a humble heart, realizing you cannot do it on your own, it's in that very place you get what you don't deserve. None of us deserve it. Nothing you can do can earn God's favor, earn God's grace, except pray. That's it. That's how we get His unmerited favor, through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, who has now made a way for us to come to the Father and pray. Because of Jesus Christ and His work, we can come boldly through the, to the throne room of grace so that we might find help in our time of need. It's what prayer is all about, and it's what we must put into practice, church, in 2012. The proud never bring out the white flag of surrender and say, God, I give up. You see, what you and I need to understand sometimes is that God will allow us to go to the fiery furnace. God will allow us to come to a Red Sea. God will allow us to face a Goliath. God will allow us to come to a Daniel's den in order to create some humility in us so that he can rescue us. To demonstrate his power, sometimes God lets us go through a whole lot of junk just in order to bring us to a place of humility so that we can truly cry out to God and truly have the power of God released in our lives. But the proud never say, I surrender, God. The proud will continue to kick against God and fuss against God and move against God, goad against God. I've done it myself, church. But God is looking for that individual who is willing to humble themselves and pray so that they can find healing in their lives. Amen. In Luke chapter 321, it says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And another form of humility. Jesus himself comes as the Son of God, and he humbles himself even to this place of being baptized, being washed by the hands of John the Baptist. It's, it's a form of humility that took place in his life first. And then the Bible says, and as he was praying, and I'm going to cut it short, won't read the whole scripture, but it says, and as he was praying, the heavens opened. And I want to stop with that because I want you to understand that when you find a place of prayer that is preceded with a spirit of humility, the heavens will open up in your life. I want you to understand that when you find that place of prayer, there is biblical evidence that the heavens will open into your life. The reason that the heavens are shut in some of our lives is because we don't pray. The reason that heaven is shut over some of our lives is because we're proud. The reason that heaven is shut over some of our lives and not open and us experiencing the things we want is because we honestly believe we can do it all on our own and we don't need God. But God's... God's word shows us, just like Jesus Christ, who brought himself to a place of humility, was baptized in the presence of everyone by the hands of John the Baptist. He began to pray in a spirit of humility, and the Bible says, and the heavens opened. How many of you want the heavens opened into your life? Amen? Amen. Then we got to be willing to pray, church. If you want the power of God's kingdom to be released into your lives, if you want him to speak good things over you like he spoke over his son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, you better have a prayer life. I want you to understand God will never speak those words over your life unless you pray. 
He will never speak those words over your life unless you've got a humble heart. He will ne- The windows of heaven will never open and God single you out and say, This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased unless you pray. Won't work, won't happen. Won't happen unless you've got a humble heart that takes you to that place of prayer, realizing that you see, Jesus, all of what Jesus was doing was to prepare him for the cross. He was baptized to prepare him for the cross. Every time he prayed, it was to prepare him for the cross. I want you to understand the same thing goes with us. You got a cross to bear, and so do I. If you want to go to heaven, you got a cross to bear, and so do I. And the only way you and I will ever bear that cross and go to the Father is if we exercise humility and have a spirit of prayer. It's what we need in our life, or we'll be overcome. We'll be defeated and we'll be destroyed. Listen, prayer has the power to release healing and direction and wisdom and every single thing you need in your life, but we must pray. Got to pray. 1 Kings 18. In 1 Kings 18, Israel was in a three and a half year drought. You know the story. Elijah prayed that there wouldn't be rain and there wasn't any rain. Then Elijah prayed for there to be rain and you know there was rain. But they were in a three and a half year drought when Elijah prayed for rain. And he didn't pray one time. He prayed seven times. He didn't get down one time and say, God, let there be rain. He probably did the first time. God. You know, he only had to pray one time for the heavens to be shut. You know that? He didn't have to pray seven times for God to shut the heavens. He had to pray seven times for God to open the heavens. Sometimes you've got to pray a lot, a lot harder for the heaven to open than for heaven to shut. Sometimes, God, sometimes you don't have to pray at all for the heavens to be shut into your life. It's just the way you live. And God will shut the heavens. But here, I don't want to get too, too off track where the Holy Spirit's leading me. But he, he prayed for rain seven times. And when he did, the seventh time, what was open? The heavens. The heavens were open and rain came down. And from a distance, it, it appeared like the hand of man. But then it grew into something so tremendous because the heavens were open because God heard Elijah's prayer because he was persistent and he pressed on because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the rain that they were waiting for for three and a half years, rain that was bottled up. Listen to what I'm saying, church. It didn't sprinkle. Rain that did not rain for three and a half years was poured out in one instant, in one moment, and a flood came, and he had to outrun it. I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way, but it might be two years or three years for you that your prayers, that, that something's not happening. But if you will persist and you will press on and you will pray not once, not twice, not three times, but seven times, everything you've been praying for can be released all at once. Amen. Amen. And it will overtake you. That's the power of prayer. And this is what we need to do, church. If you want the heavens open in your life, you've got to pray. Listen, even though we pray, we may not always get what we want right then. The first time you pray, you might not get an answer. The first time you pray, you might not get direction. The second, third, fourth time you pray, you might not see anything. Remember, Elijah told his servant, go look, go look, go look, go look, go look, go see if there's any evidence. Look, sometimes there won't be any evidence. It's why we need faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Elijah didn't see it, but he had hope. Elijah didn't see it, but he had faith. And he knew if I put my face down long enough, enough times, and call out to my God, the same God who shut the heavens is the same God that will open the heavens. He prayed and prayed and prayed until the evidence he needed was there. It's what prayer does. You see, we've got to learn to press on, church. Like I said, so often we'll pray once or twice half-heartedly. And it doesn't really come from the heart. I mean, we, we want it. But has it really come from a broken and a contrite heart that is so desperate for God that it'll cry out a fifth time and a sixth time and a seventh time? Are our prayers so filled with faith that we'll just close ourselves off with God and put a cloak over us to cut ourselves off from everything else. See, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. When Elijah prayed so desperately, I believe he covered himself, not just as an act of reverence, but he didn't want to see anything else. He didn't want to look at the distractions. He didn't want to look at the natural. He didn't want to look at what was going on around him. He knew that if I could just cover myself up, and if I can just close myself off with God, and He's the only one I look at, and He's the only one I hear, and He's the only one I see, that's all He cared about. Some of us got to start putting a cloak up over us and stop looking at the things out here and look at God. Amen. Amen. You go enter into prayer with an unbeliever. You better be careful who you ask to pray with you. Oh, an unbeliever will keep your prayers from going anywhere. You got to set yourself apart. It's you and God. That's how God answers church. I'm not saying you can't reach out to anybody, but there comes these times like Elijah. You got to pray again. Listen, sometimes you got to pray again. Sometimes you got to believe again. Sometimes you got to have faith again. Sometimes you got to press on again, cry out again, call out again. Sometimes we got to do the same thing again until the heavens are opened on our behalf. But it takes faith, church. And yet this is what God has called us to do. In 2012, you and I are going to need faith. In 2012, this church is going to need faith to see this building completed, to have a new sanctuary added. You're going to need faith to to get through the financial difficulties that, that, that the society and our economy seem to be going through. We're all going to need faith, church. But by faith and through prayer, the powers of heaven can be loosed in our life. It's what God has called us to. Listen, I'm going to begin winding this down. But in Isaiah 55... The prophet speaks to the people and he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. You'll never be closer to God than you are in this place of prayer. Never. I think Pastor even said that same thing last week. But you'll never be closer to God than you are in this place called prayer. If you feel detached from God and you feel separated from God, you feel distanced from God, you need to really pray, church. You need to pull yourself close to God. Seek my face while it may be found and and draw near unto me. Call upon him while he is near. You see, in that place of prayer is where God draws near to us. 
In that place of prayer is where God is attentive to his people. He wants to hear our cries and he wants to hear the outpouring of our soul. Listen, God knows all of it. The reality is God doesn't need your prayers. You do. The reality is God doesn't need my prayers. I do. The reason God has called me to pray is to deepen my relationship with Him, to increase my faith in Him, to feel closer to Him and nearer to Him so that I can walk with Him and talk with Him along life's narrow ways as the song goes. And He walks with me and He talks with me. This is what happens in this place of prayer, church. God really, understand what I'm saying, He knows everything that's going on in your life. He doesn't need you to pray to know about it. He needs you to pray to demonstrate your faith and your trust in Him. Your willingness to press on and press through to this power of prayer so that God can release something powerful into our lives. The reality is, so often, we spend our entire Christian life waiting on God waiting on Him to move, waiting on Him to do something, waiting on Him to make my marriage better, waiting on Him to make my finances better, waiting on Him to change my husband or change my wife or change my teenage daughter or change my teenage son. When the reality is He's waiting on us to pray. The reality is we wait and wait. We can wait our whole Christian life on God to move. When God is saying, listen, all of, a, all of heaven is waiting for you to pray. All of heaven is in their royal attire. All of my army, all of my soldiers, they're dressed, ready, they're equipped, and they're waiting. What are they waiting on? They're waiting on you to pray. They're waiting on their commands. They're waiting on their marching orders. Heaven's always ready, church. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Our God is equipped any moment of any day. He's always ready. But are we ready in prayer? We must be ready to pray. Whenever the enemy comes against us, we need to pray. And we need to do it, church. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Don't wait on God to draw near to you. It'll happen when you draw near to him. Like I said, you're never closer to God than you are in this place of prayer. And it's what God is calling us to, church. He is calling us to this place of prayer where we can draw near to God. Without Him, we won't grow. Without prayer, victory will be fleeting. Without prayer, God will feel a million miles away. Without prayer, church, we cannot endure to the end. We will be overcome. Prayer is our doorway to the throne room of grace so that we can find help in our time of need. And as I begin to bring this to a close, I don't even know what time pastor normally closes, but this is what I'm sensing the Holy Spirit. I want to go back to that passage of Scripture where James spoke to the people, and he said, Are any among you suffering? And that's the question the Holy Spirit has for you this morning. Are any of you in this house this morning suffering? Are any of you in this house troubled? Are any of you in this house facing a situation that maybe no one else knows about except you and your closest friend or your spouse? Are any of you crying yourself to sleep at night because you're bearing a burden that you just cannot bear? Are any of you overcome by depression or doubt or fear or worry or anxiety? Are any of you constantly feeling defeated, overcome, distraught? This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. 
And if that's any of you this morning, God has the answer. And it's prayer. And in the few minutes that we have, this is what I feel the Holy Spirit asking me to do. Is that, are any among you suffering? You're going to say this morning, God, I do have a burden that's too big for me. God, I have a situation or a circumstance that I cannot turn around. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand first. God, I just got a situation. I've got a circumstance. I'm bearing a burden. God says to you, I want you to pray. And for those of you that have raised your hand, if you're willing, I want you to begin to make your way to this altar. Because prayer is the answer to your situation. I want the altar workers, the, the prayer team, whoever it is, to come as well. But if you're bearing a burden... If you are suffering this morning, this is what God says. He says, let them pray. And I'm going to give you a little instruction first. I'm going to pray a prayer. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you know God is able this morning to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what your mouth could even ask of him this morning? God never said you got to have this eloquent prayer. God never said you have to have this theological conversation with Him. All God said is that you got to admit that you need me. That's all He said. Admit that you need me and pray. So I, I am. I'm going to pray too. But I want all of you on your own to begin to pray and confess your need for God. And I want you to call out to Him that situation that you can't bear And then I'm going to ask the best that we can to have our prayer team make their way through and agree with you. Because the Bible says if two of us shall agree on anything, they shall have the things that they ask. So let's just take a moment and begin to pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father God, I know that you're hearing the cries and the prayers of your people this morning. Father God, I'm not praying for them at this moment, but I'm praying with them. God, I know that you are able to do exceeding and abundantly beyond what we are capable of asking you this morning. But God, we're going to ask anyway. We're going to ask trusting and believing God that you are able to turn our situation and our circumstance around. And I pray right now, Father God, that as we humble ourselves... In the presence of the King, God, that you would begin to open up the windows of heaven this morning and that you would rain down upon your people. God, there's marriages this morning that need to be mended and need to be healed. God, they're facing some impossibilities, but I thank you, God, that there is nothing impossible for you. I thank you this morning, Father God, that as we put ourselves in this position of prayer, that we put ourselves into a place of power. And I'm praying, God, that you would descend upon your people this morning. God, heal hearts. Heal minds, Father God, that are troubled and distraught. I pray that you would bring families together, Father God, that are divided in the name of Jesus Christ. God, there's burdens that some of your people are bearing that they cannot bear any longer, God. They're being crushed under the weight, Father God, of this trial or tribulation. And I'm thankful this morning that your word says, Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, 
and you will give us rest. God, give rest to your people this morning. God, I'm praying that you would cause us to rise up and be people of prayer. I'm praying, Father God, that you would tarry with us as we tarry with you. That you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. God, you know the burden, you know the hurt, you know the pain, you know the request. There's nothing hidden from you, oh God, that you don't know. So I pray, Father, that you would intercede on your people's half this morning and give them all, all of us, God, a spirit of prayer. Descend upon your people, Father God. Hear our cries. Hear us from heaven. And heal us, I pray, O God, as we humble ourselves before you. Keep praying, church. Do they hear us from heaven? Just go right into that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let this be your prayer, church. want to obey the, the Holy Spirit, just not that I have a word yet at this moment, but I don't want to rush them off, but I do want to say that prayer must go beyond this pulpit, church. It must go beyond the pews. This cannot be your only refuge. This cannot be the only place that you call out to God. Tomorrow morning, God wants your bedroom to be a place of prayer. As you're going to work, God wants your car to be a place of prayer. 
your cafeteria, your lunchroom, your break room, your office room, wherever, whenever you can put yourself in a position of prayer, you'll open up the windows of heaven into your life. Don't lean on your own understanding this week. Don't trust in your own strength. Don't look at the circumstances and the situations that go on in your life. Be like Elijah. Cover yourself up in prayer and trust in God. And the windows of heaven will open into your life and your life will be changed. Amen. 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 Sing it one more time and y'all be blessed in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.